This is Owen Tinder Jones. I'm Owen Vaughan Williams. This is Tash Harden. And you are listening to the Owen Tinder Podcast. Hello and welcome to the latest Coleman Had a Dream podcast. I am here as ever with Ruth. Good evening. We have uh, a wide-ranging chat for you as ever today. Uh, we're going to make some squad predictions, as we are always so accurate with our <laughs> predictions, um, for the Trinidad game and the Slovakia game, as well as have a conversation about the start in 11, so those two games. We're going to talk about Ryan Giggs. We're going to talk about who you would build a statue of were Wales to have a permanent football stadium. That's given us some great responses. We're going to talk about, obviously, Cardiff, Wrexham, Swansea, Newport as well, as well as how Gareth Bale is doing in Madrid, plus the Wales women game against Republic of Ireland and their upcoming game, which will be tomorrow. So this will be out of date, probably, by the time it goes out. But why change the habit of a lifetime? (laughs) So, to go through the squads, how do you think this is going to look? You've grimaced already, which is a great start. Well, when we were first talking about the Trinidad and Tobago game, we were discussing the fact that it does seem somewhat odd timing. I love the fact that we've got a game at Wrexham. We were only ever going to get a relatively low-ranked team to play as at yeah. Wrexham. But um, it does feel like we were doing our experimentation last year. Hopefully that's what was happening. And, and so it just seems an odd extra ahead of the... Don't we have to have... We do have to have something. I don't, I, I don't disagree, but it just seems a, it seems a classic game to effectively put out a B team. Yeah, I see what you're saying. And so from a timing, does it really work? Or actually, are we going to put it, effectively just put out a B team, yeah. make an event of it at Wrexham and concentrate on that aspect of it? Um, so I think that obviously you don't have to declare your 23 for that game, but it, I think the... The obvious kind of dichotomy between the two games comes into play with what with what you're yeah, going to do true. from the squad point of view. Um, so I kind of think anything could happen in in Wrexham, really. Yeah. And I think, to be perfectly honest, I think it probably will. Um, I've got. I mean, we'll go through the people that we think are kind of going to be extras, and then we'll go through what maybe that'll look like for the 23. I think, in terms of extras, I've got. Volks, who is this new guy who they've been looking at uh, at Rotherham. And I understand Ryan Williams, who is also a Rotherham player, was part of the people they were looking at as well. So I'd imagine if they're going to go and look at him, I think that's probably to he's see if they can get him involved. Case, he's, a, he's qualified through a Welsh grand, Welsh grandma, but he actually's played under 23s for Australia. I thought that was his brother. Mm, oh. I thought his brother came through. Uh, for us and then declared for Australia we'll I think, I think that, Ryan might have done it the other way around then. oh really like, anyway um, but I mean it's interesting if you but we're not short of wingers really are we no true um, <laughs> I mean I can see kind of more merit in Volks's you know central holding defensive yeah. midfield kind of depth there yeah we need um, that don't we but equally I don't see any harm in us having some depth yeah. full stop I mean you know? it's, it's a rare treat to be mm-hmm. fair that we've had we have depth so I think yeah. we may as well kind of make the most of it if we yeah. can um, I was interested to see whether um, players like Cullen and Broadhead might some of the younger lads might get in the squad I know they've been playing under 23's football and stuff but might be someone you want to look at in a game where 
you know, in reality, you'd like to think we've got a good chance of winning that game. Um, the other one I thought I want to discuss with you was George Williams. Mm-hmm. Which I know is a tiny bit left field because he is playing in League Two with yeah. Forest Green. But he has been in brilliant form of late. And he's still quite a young guy. I don't know whether maybe that's someone that Giggs might have a look at. I think I think you'll certainly have a look at him. I was thinking the same really about um, Andrew Hughes at Preston North End, yeah. who is, you know is, is building a career. Um, went up to Scotland, came back down again. Seems to be very well regarded at, at Preston. So I think there are a few players like that that are, that are sort of on the fringe and will quite probably make the Trinidad and Tobago. Like yeah. mega squad, yeah, um, and, and I think that's and then, it is what it's going to yeah, be. Yeah, and then probably be cut for the for the competitive game. I agree, and I think I think Lockyer is one of those people, mm-hmm. in my opinion, who'll not make the twenty three. I think he'll make the big cut, yeah. but not the uh, big group. Sorry, not the twenty three. The other ones I wanted to mention were people like Billy Bowden, uh, who was involved in the China Cup, but that's the last we've seen of him. Um, I don't know whether, again, this might be another opportunity for Giggs to have a look at someone who's on the outskirts of the squad or something like that, because it at least alleviates the risk a little bit of people getting injured who are, who are going to play in the, in the big game a couple of days later. Yeah, I think um, you know, people like Kieran Freeman, Guion Edwards, yeah. they kind of fall into that category as well, don't That's they? That's very true, just yeah. An ex- some, I mean, when you look at the number of players we've got playing in competitive championship level teams there's probably a couple of dozen of them across across yeah. the championship alone no, isn't fair. there and that that's incredible depth when you think about it yeah um the area we don't have depth a seamless link um is seemingly seemingly at the back at the moment a little bit um chester seems very unlikely to make the game ash i read has been has played 25 minutes in the last five games for stoke rodden's injured um I know Dummett's Ma- just coming back yeah, as well, Dum- isn't he? Dummett's played two games now right. since he's been back. Not full games, mind, mm-hmm. but um, obviously Ben Davis has been injured and he's come back, but he's lost his team in the, place in the team, sorry, as a consequence of that. Um, it's, you know, it's a bit of a mixed bag there, so I'm going to tell you who I think, defender-wise, is going to make that final 23. Okay. And you can tell me if you agree. Um would be sorry bear with me as I just scroll through <laughs> Connor Roberts mm-hmm. Mepham uh, Ash Dummett mm-hmm. uh, James Lawrence Neil Taylor Ben Davies and in terms of defence oh Chris Gunter I don't know if I said him but mm-hmm. uh, that would be that for me okay, is there so anyone else going, you have there? you're going kind of traditional as it were I just think that we don't really have many other options I don't think I think they might throw Vokes and Ampadu in because that's where we've got holes at the minute I wonder whether they're in the squad but with a view to perhaps being defensive cover I, don't get me wrong I think Ampadu will make the squad yeah I, no, I, I just wonder whether from a sort of organisational point of view whether those two might be more in that category than the midfield yeah, category yeah maybe I don't know I, I mean with with Chester and Rodden unavailable it does kind of make a, an interesting 
setup, both for the Trinidad game and for the for the Slovakia game, just because I do I really don't know who Giggs is going to choose at the back there to start the game. Do you think Paul might have a chance? I think he's got a good chance in terms of he's been playing well, but I think it's a big jump to go from playing well at League Two to then going into making the 23 and being involved in a really really big game I don't I think he's a good player and he's got potential and everything else but I think he's still down on the list I'd, I'd, I'd pick Lockyer ahead of him and I don't think Lockyer's going to make the 23 either and the reason I've gone for Neil Taylor as well I will explain uh, okay. when we go through our, our starting <laughs> 11s um, someone else who I, I was wondering if you thought would make the, the original squad for the Trinidad game would be Ben Woodburn because he's he's not on loan anymore at uh, Sheffield United. He's gone back to Liverpool under 23s and he is playing a little bit for the under 23s. They've had a few games uh, set up of late that he has been involved in. So I was just wondering whether you think that counts, so to speak. As, I can uh, see I can see him making the the Wrexham game. I'm not sure he'd make the 23. I agree. Yeah. I just think we have a frightening amount of depth in that area at the minute. Yeah, that's I, where our riches are. You, you don't need to be looking at the, the 18-year-olds that are in the under-20, because yeah. this Liverpool team is. Yeah. But you don't need to be really at the minute. Uh, although, equally, Wilson's not... His form's not so great It has dipped a moment, little bit of late. You know? But, you know, I, he's had such a good season, yeah. and he's definitely got that ability in him. Um, Do you think the mileage, the championship mileage, is taking a toll there? I think definitely, especially for a, for a guy who's still pretty young, and in in all reality, is probably playing his first his first full, full season re- as, real a, as season, a first isn't teamer. It? Yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, it's only understandable. There's a lot of games they've they've gone a decent distance in a couple of cup mm-hmm. cup uh, couple of cup competitions. <laughs> you can tell <laughs> I have alliteration the, uh, there. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So I. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I to think go Wilson. Back to your sorry, original kind of unit for the defence. I can't really disagree with that. Um, I think perhaps Taylor might be the one that would be the biggest question sure mark of. for me, just because he's not been paying that much yeah. for Villa, really. I will tell you for why. Okay. Because if we look at how I would line up against Slovakia, given the chance. To make that decision, <laughs> why not? Um, obviously, Hennessy in goal. I would start Connor Roberts at right back, Mepham at centre half, and I would have him playing centre half with Ben Davis. I don't think Ash, in my opinion, is good enough at the minute. And he's, he's been on the bench a lot for Stoke, yeah, hasn't he? he? Yeah, he really isn't playing much football. I just. Ben Davis is reliable, can play in the middle, and I don't think. And I know, you know, that he's not everyone's favourite man, but I, Paul Dummett is still a good player at left back. And if that wasn't the option, and we wanted a bit more experience and went for Neil Taylor, which I'd be more than happy as well with. I same problem. He's just not playing. Whereas I know Dummett's just come back from injury, but he will get playing regularly with Newcastle, I think. Um, and I think he is a solid, reliable left back. And. I just don't think we could take a risk of having Ash playing centre-half, in my opinion, which is why I'd go for Ben Davis. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. I think it, it might be a toss-up, but perhaps Davies is a bit more easily slotted into the centre than Dummett, but it might be a bit of a toss-up between yeah, the two of them. Yeah, that's true, could be. Um, and then I think you've got to go with Roberts on the on the right, yeah, much I as so. I love Gunts. 
Um, and then you can't not pick Mepham at the minute. He's yeah. slotted straight in at Bournemouth. Yeah, exactly. He's starting to get embedded there. He's regularly. looking like a Premiership player. I agree, I agree. Um, middle of midfield then, because Ben Davis would be playing centre-half, I would put Ampadu and Allen as kind of holders. I think I'd put those pair as holders almost regardless of what's happening behind yeah. them. I just think it's such a good combination. I agree. And I think the other problem with that is as well, there is a genuine or feels like a, a bit of a hole at the minute in centre midfield where I wouldn't feel happy losing Ampadu from that role, even though he's not playing for Chelsea. Um, I wouldn't want him to, to go anywhere else just because if he doesn't play in that midfield, I know Matt Smith is playing regularly, but he's playing in the, in the Dutch second division. I'm not sure. He's playing really well, though. I know, but he's, he's, is that because he's a good player playing in the Dutch second division? I, I'm not trying to belittle him. I just, to me, Ampadu is a much better footballer than him, and I appreciate he's not playing much. But for me, I think Matt Smith's a bit lightweight. I've, from I've seen very little of what's happening in Holland actually, but I think what I have seen. You you can see the seasoning that is coming from having a season of football. Yeah, um, and so on that basis, I think I, I think it might not be as clear cut as perhaps it was six months ago. I think you're probably right, and I think playing football all the time is definitely a big help in that regard. Um, it's just, I think I feel like Ampadu's got more about him as as as, as a as a footballer and to have that kind of grit and determination physicality that I'm not sure Smith has and I think if you've got the back four that it's not that they're in inexperienced but they would be inexperienced together and I think having That's him in, having him and Alan just in front would be a, that would be a plus definitely yeah I agree yeah my front I would then go like three above that which would be Brooks on one side Wilson on the other obviously Ramsey is a number 10 and then Bale up front would be our hour I'd go for that I, I are we actually going to agree on something? <laughs> well, that meet is definitely not going to happen. <laughs> no, I, as well as Tyler Roberts seems to be playing in some games, there's also games where he's, I mean, just not producing for Leeds. Yeah. So I think that's a, he's still very unpredictable. Um, Vokes is carrying an injury at the minute. So we haven't got a lot of choice up front anyway. Yeah. If you put Bale up there, it enables us to have that incredibly strong trio yeah. just behind him. And I would, I would go with that as well. And what a front four that is! <laughs> you know, what a front four. I think you might be tempted to look at Lawrence because I think he offers a bit more defensive solidity than than Wilson. I mean, and I say that from Giggs's perspective rather than my own. Um, the owner, th- he's I mean, just coming back from an injury as well, though, isn't he? Yeah, he's so that, been an that might play into the thinking. I, the only other thing I thought was Wilson has been deployed in a more central role at times. Maybe that might be something, and they'll he could even consider playing Allen and Wilson together, and Ampadu at centre half, Ben Davis at left back. If you, mm-hmm. if you see what I mean. Yeah. Um, well, and then and, put Lawrence, and then Lawrence in, on the wing. Yeah, okay. Um, or you know, equally sirens every single time. Um. Yes, yeah, so the only other person I thought that would come into ten- contention, sorry, if that did happen, it kind of jigged around a bit, would be Dan James, who has been in lightning form, um, and I think would be a real threat mm-hmm. against the Slovakia team, which are 
not particularly young, shall we say. Yeah, I think it would be a great one to put on for like the last 25 minutes yeah, or so, so, wouldn't he? And just, just throw everything at them if, if the game warranted that. Do you think Matondo uh, will, will get into the 23 for the Slovakia game? Because he was involved a bit for Schalke since th- he's moved. I think so, just because we're so light up front. Yeah. I think he gives you another dimension that you haven't got otherwise. Um, and he's, you know, again, he's starting to get embedded at Schalke. I think it's a really interesting move yeah. for him. He wasn't in the last matchday squad though mm-hmm. on the week, over the weekend. He okay. wasn't in the squad at all. So I don't know whether that's an injury thing or he didn't get picked. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure on that one. But um, I, I think I would take him in the 23. I wouldn't start him, obviously, but I think just his pace and what he what he can offer, same with James, really, is that dynamism, I'd imagine, will be difficult to deal with. Yeah, you just want to have something different on the bench, potentially, don't you? And, and they both offer, yeah, that degree of speed for what is an ageing team yeah. as opposition, after exactly. all. Exactly. Yeah. Um, to look more... At the Trinidad game, then mm-hmm. I would have. I'd go for a slightly. I'd go for the same formation. I think it's important that everyone gets used to that, that formation, and I think that is our strongest formation. I would go for Ward in goal because I think he needs a bit of game time. He's not doing anything else. <laughs> needs he? more than a bit of game time, doesn't um, he? And uh, Gunter at right back, Ash, because I think again he probably needs the game time. And James Lawrence start that game at centre half uh, with whoever didn't start the game at left back who's not going to start the game against Slovakia sorry so either Taylor or Dummett um, Smith and Volks give him a go mm-hmm. um, against a team we should possibly or probably beat okay. uh, James on one side Matondo on the other and the way Tyler Roberts played as a number 10 the other night give him a start there behind Volks up front interesting okay so you're going with a completely different starting 11 yeah yeah and I also think it may not be those players, but I would not be surprised if Giggs does that. Yeah, I mean, I can see how you want to make a statement. He's trying to make a statement about playing at Wrexham, but equally, it's like so far the less important game. I mean, it's not yeah. even like we're not even talking yeah. in the same universe, are we? Um so he's not going to jeopardise anyone. And it might be that you just let, you know, the likes of Alan and Bale and Ramsey just go into PR mode around the pitch, exactly. you know, keeping everyone happy, maybe. And there's no harm in bringing them on if we need to for, for a few minutes at the end. I would just hate for us to start that game uh, with, with players who could go on and get injured and cause us a problem for the few days later. And I think if Giggs did that, it'd be daft. I, I think Giggs must already know what his start 11 for Slovakia is going to be and how we're going to set up. Um, and I just don't see any reason why you jeopardise that. And I know it's great to see football back at Wrexham again. Well, international football, sorry, back at Wrexham again. And I'm sure this might not be a popular opinion with people who are going, but on a personal note, if I see Gareth Bale or Aaron Ramsey on that pitch for any part of that game, I don't care what the score is. I would be livid. But you would be livid if the, the game was being played at Cardiff as well, from a purpose point of yeah, view. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. mean that. I just mean yeah. I know people in Wrexham want to see those big-name yeah. players, and I totally understand that. And it would be frustrating for them not to see their heroes like Bale and Ramsey and whoever else get game time. And I get from a PR perspective, maybe you want that, but... can you, I mean, it's just, it just doesn't, work, doesn't bear thinking about what happens if, if one of those two gets injured going into that massive game a couple of days later... 
just for a bit of a PR Yeah, I don't think... Around. I think people are realistic about what the game is. Um, I mean, Trinidad and Tobago, are re- they're having trouble finding a squad. Um, it, I mean, it's obvious when you think about it, but their, their players are scattered literally worldwide. Yeah. And, um, and a lot of them are actually in... They're in their off-season. Yeah. You know, they pick up again in, in May or yeah. that. So from a point of view of getting people who've got any kind of football football in their legs at the minute, it sounds like they're actually having trouble trying to, trying to find yeah. the 23. Um, and so I feel, I feel for them in that sense. Uh, but from our perspective, it's, it's an exercise. It has to be approached as an exercise in being in Wrexham concentrate on the PR and less on the football I yeah. suppose you know? no I, I, I agree I yeah. think that's fair and would you would you agree with that 11 that I'd go for or or there or thereabouts um I probably would actually the the back four I might tweak a little bit but we've we've yeah. discussed that but certainly once you get um the Ahead six in front of them I'd yeah, there's an obvious six for us, isn't there? Yeah, that? I think so, and I think like I said, maybe Lock- you, you maybe give Lockyer some game time in there, maybe, or even Woodburn if you mm-hmm. wanted to wanted to go down that road. But I mean, to me, there's no value in giving Woodburn game time, and I don't mean that in a harsh way. He's he's, he's playing 23s football. He's not going to be involved in the in the other games, so I don't see the point in that really. Yeah. Um, and Lockyer, like I say, I don't think he'll make the 23 uh, for the Slovakia game, so. I'm not sure what the value of him having any game time is, in my opinion. I think at that point, people are getting game time because others aren't. Others aren't. Very deliberately yeah, not giving others true. game time. Yeah. But that, yeah, like I say, I suppose maybe Ash wouldn't wouldn't may not start that other one just because he might be our first reserve um, elsewhere. But I don't know. I, I to be honest, that's what I would do. But I think in reality, I think we're probably going to start against Slovakia with Hennessy in goal, Roberts, Mepham, Ash. And Ben Davis at left back, and then everything else the same. Yeah, I, I think that's it. the more likely scenario. Yeah. Um, and in some respects, I haven't got a problem with that because I think Ash's kind of nounce and game reading at that point might be valuable, even if he's not quite on the ball yeah. to the extent that he, you know he was two, three years ago. So I think you know the the kind of stability he might be worth it for for the opening yeah. game of a very obviously a very, very important tough. series of yeah. games yeah. um a question i want to ask you about ash mm-hmm. do you think that he let's say for argument's sake we qualify do you think given the way he's playing at the minute and the amount of time he's playing at the minute if were that to continue do you think he'd actually end up making the plane i actually i and I, I know I'm, I'm talking down I think the line, it's too early, too early to say. I mean, I don't like the chickens you're counting there. No, 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 I, the reason, the reason but, I just say it but just because of his age and his form. But hypothetically, um, I think he might make the plane. Would he want to make the plane True. under the circumstances of being, you know, maybe number 23? Yeah. Um, but equally, I think there is some... I definitely think there's some merit in what some of those older, more experienced players can bring. To the, we've, when you look, we've got sort of two extremes in the camp, haven't we? We've got this the, the very experienced 60-plus cap group, and we've got the ones that are on five or six. And there isn't, yeah. you know, Ben Davies maybe, but there isn't actually that many that fall in the middle of no, that, relatively that. speaking. And so I can, I can see some merit. And I do think he, there's... 
there's something about him almost like as a defensive coach that might be worth having a, yeah, around I, I, as well. I could, I could see him. I could see the logic of him being involved in some way, but I'm not sure as a playing capacity. I, I just think with his age and everything else, the point I'm, I'm trying to get at, I suppose, is is there a value in if, if him being you know involved and stuff at the minute? And I know we are a bit thin on the ground at the back. When, in my opinion, he wouldn't be what we'd be looking towards further down the line were we to make the tournament. Yeah, I mean, I think if you just if you just take it on <clears throat> current play, he'd be borderline, wouldn't yeah. he? But I think I think currently there still remains a bigger picture. Whether that bigger picture is still valid in 12, 18 months' yeah, time, fair. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. No, that's fair. Um, to move the conversation on a little bit, um, we have been recently featuring Where's Gigs. I like my Where's Wally. Where's Wally? Exactly. Feature. Well, we got pelters for that last time. <laughs> so we'll just go. We'll stick with to Where's Where's Gigs. Where's Ryan? Um, he was at Rotherham on the weekend watching uh, Volks and perhaps Ryan Williams, and now he's in South Africa. Yes. I personally don't have a huge problem with him being in South Africa. He's doing like PR for the Champions League. Um, I know the squad comes out in a week, like you say, but he'll already know the squad. Uh, the players will already know whether they're provisionally involved, I would imagine, or, uh, you know, pretty much. We're still a couple of weeks away from the game. I personally don't have a problem with him being in South Africa at the minute. Your face tells me otherwise. I do. I just, I just hate what it says about his priorities. I hate that we're going into a situation where the squad is released a week tomorrow. You should be sat down with your team, working out what's going on. If so-and-so is injured, what's our plan B? If, you know, if Slovakia announced this squad, what are we doing about it? All that stuff. And it's just, I hate the fact that I feel like we're second placed for what he's doing. To be honest, normally I agree with you. And I and I think your, I think I, I my biggest thing about this is that I don't like that we are, in my opinion, his second priority. However, do you not think all of that stuff has already been done? But I'm not convinced it has because he's been so busy doing all the other stuff. If I, I could see some, ev- if he'd be over the last six months, if he'd been watching Derby, if he'd been watching both Sheffield teams, if he'd been watching Leeds, if he'd been watching Swansea, then I'd say, okay, yeah, he knows what's going on. This is just one of those things. But there's, there, he hasn't got stuff in the bank to then be in South Africa a week before the squad's announced. I think, I know, I know what you mean, and I agree with you he hasn't got enough in the bank to behave the way he's behaving with, with certain aspects. But just in, in this instance, for me, just because he's, he's in South Africa, you know, we, yeah, you're right. We, we haven't seen him a Swansea game or a Derby game, and, and I know his assistants might have been in blah, blah, blah. So, of course, he has knowledge. Like, someone pointed out that Oshan has been to, to the Swans plenty of times this year. They'll know what they're going to get out of Swans. And do they need to watch Dan James, Joe Rodden, Connor? Like, they're going to be in the squad. So, I'm, I'm not trying to stand up for him. I just think... I think we've got a right to be critical of him in the build-up to the game when he's doing a Q&A at some bloody comic festival or whatever it is. Yeah. I think I think we're right to be annoyed by that. I, I think we're in... In my opinion, 
when I say we, I mean just people who don't like gigs as a general rule are in danger of being negative negative to him almost for the sake of being negative to him. I think the knock-on of this as well is is that if we beat Slovakia, does it matter that he was in South Africa the week before? The squad was announced, you know, still a solid two and a half weeks ahead of the actual game. I mean, I guess in that respect, no. But do I feel it helps the probability of us beating Slovakia? I don't like it. I just don't like the division of his time and his efforts and his concentration. I just feel it's wrong. He's employed as our manager. And it's just increasingly difficult to see and and see him appreciating that as as the top thing on his list and this is just another example of that to my thinking david you know if we qualify it it's, none of it matters if we qualify none of it matters but i want us to make sure that we put everything the best version of us out there because that's going to make that's going to help us on the road to qualification and it just feels like there's so many distractions there's so many other things on his plate you know this business with the comic-con thing in in june just before that double header the the hardest double header we've got of the whole tournament the whole qualification and it's it just i just don't fundamentally i don't like the feeling it's like i've said a minute ago i don't like the feeling that we're not top of his list if if you take that job, you have to go in with with it as your priority. I don't think you can go in treating it as a as a part time role. Now I do have a theory about whether it may be a part time role. I mean I wonder whether Jonathan Ford kind of thought to himself, you know, there's there's a hell of a lot of glamour and glitz and attention and PR we can get out of this. But the coaching is, ooh, you know, there's not that much in the, you know, in the, in the, uh, there's not much evidence of the coach. There's not much evidence of the coaching. You know, maybe they said to him, look, you concentrate on the kind of the glitz and the PR side and the getting our name out there, getting us noticed as a nation, you know, the, the, the events that are going on, that type of thing, whether there was almost a kind of, you know, yeah, we'll let Oshan and Stuyvenant actually do the day-to-day dirty work. Um, and, you know, gigs can be more of the front man, you know, more of almost like, you know how some countries have a island do it. They have a prime, they have a Taoiseach and they have a president and the president does all the glad handing and the Taoiseach actually does the work. You know, maybe there's, Maybe there's something more about the dynamic there that we're not aware of because they're not quite sure what to call it or how to share it or even, you know, formally what it is. But I wonder if he's almost been tasked a bit with doing more of the the front of house stuff um, and let Oshan and Stoyven do the, the real kind of coaching background managerial stuff. Um, the irony is that if that's the case, Giggs isn't doing any of that PR stuff in Wales. I, that's I. I like like is the wrong word. I am on board with your part-time uh, theory. I think 
you might have hit on something there. And I think as part of him wanting this job, would have maybe been tied in with the fact that he wanted it on a part-time basis because he knew he had so many fingers in so many other pies. Um, and maybe that is one of the reasons that Oshan was able to, or was willing even to take the job on because he is the manager and all but yeah. title he just doesn't get to rubber stamp that is he gets to come up with the strategies and the plans and and be the organizer if you like um so maybe that's part of it as well i mean i know there are a lot of ifs buts and maybes here if that's the case i think that's from the faw's perspective is shocking and the if and again if that's the case i think the fact that we haven't said to him okay well thanks for the offer mate but we want this to be we've got the best batch of players we've ever had this needs to be everyone's number one priority sorry lastly the the lack of PR being in Wales I almost don't mind that so much as long as it's in a football environment in regards to the South Africa thing like that is a football event like he is representing Wales to all intents and purposes but at a Champions not, League event. But he's not. He's representing Manchester United at a Champions League I event. Think, but, I, but I think that's the perception of that, isn't it? But I think that's the reality. I, I think, think I that mean, perception it, is that reality. Might, it might be, but either way, to me, that's a football event. And I, I can deal with that. I can't deal with the Comic-Con thing the week before that doubleheader in June. Because um, that is just an event for personal greed. And agreed makes it sound awful now. Like it's been an over exaggeration, but again, like you know, all this Man United stuff, the talkings and stuff like that. That is just to boost his bank balance, and I have a, I do have a problem with that. Um, but again, I have a problem with that because technically speaking, he's full time employed by the FAW. If it's not the case, um and he is part-time and he feels he needs to supplement his income by doing this extra stuff and he's entitled to do so, then I actually don't think it's his fault for, for taking that stuff on because he's been encouraged to do so if he, is, if he has got a part-time role uh, within the FAW. And I think maybe there's some truth in that, that he's got that part-time role because it was what he wanted and it was what the FAW had to do to kind of get the job, mm-hmm. uh, get him to kind of sign on the dotted line. Yeah. And I think if that's actually how it's organised, I don't think it would be the end of the world if if what's happening in the background is happening. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I've kind of got trust in, in the bigger picture stuff. Um, but then why not, why not just, like, upfront it at that point so that, you, you know, you don't have these weird questions about priorities? And I think it's because it would piss people off. Yeah. And I still think if they fronted up and said, you know what, yeah, he is part-time. All right, with some stuff we could go, all right, fair play. But I would still be annoyed that it, we are not his priority. Yeah. And be that through his fault or the FAWs, this, I would still be annoyed at that. But um, the feeling, I get, see, the feeling I have at the minute is we are his part-time. That's what, that's what annoys, no, I, frustrates I me at the minute. Right I, I just don't think if anyone came out and said it now, would it make me feel any better about the situation? Like... I think the ship has no, sailed. No, I think I don't disagree, but I think the irony is we might be more understanding and realistic of the expectations if he was. I, I suppose I would at least I, I'd be more annoyed at the FAW than I would at him in that instance. I suppose um, it is worth pointing out that he has been to Barnsley in recent weeks, and he went to Rotherham. 
he has been doing some stuff, and he is also doing an FAW event. Is it London Irish or like London London Welsh? Sorry, London yeah, that Irish. was on, that was on Friday. That was St David's yeah, for Day. Yeah, St David's yeah. Day. So he yeah. is doing some other FAW related stuff. Um, I think it's difficult for you and I because you and I didn't want him at the start. I have plenty of football reservations about him as well, but I would have if Pulis or whoever else had come in. Um, however, we're in this now, and my opinion on the whole situation is we can hammer him as much as we want if things aren't working out on the field. And, you know, last year I don't think things did work out on the field particularly well, but I also don't think... What am I, t- I, I, I? I don't think we need to be finding excuses to dig him out because if if he does badly on the pitch, that then he then he gives us that excuse for one of a better expression. And if it doesn't, and all this works out, then I know it's frustrating that we're not his priority and everything else. But ultimately, us winning games and qualifying is fundamentally all I care about in this circumstance. But so if we'd have, if we'd have had a good twenty eighteen and we're going into this coming qualifies with some momentum, some stability, a track record of him coaching the team well, then I might not worry. But there's enough negatives that came out of last year that then you put on top of it that he doesn't appear to be prioritising Wales, then that's a whole load of alarm bells for me. I mean, in that sense, I do completely agree with that. I think that's a fair point. To counteract No, I'm, try- I'm trying... No, I, I know what you're trying to say. I understand what you're saying. It's very difficult when it feels like every time we discuss him, it's with a negative connotation. Exactly. But at the minute, I'm, tr- I'm trying really hard to find positives. And, okay, so he we went to a Rotherham game. We, sh- we shouldn't be celebrating the fact that our manager has gone to see two fringe players... That should be a normal expectation of what he's doing week in, week out. And over this winter, he's, there's clearly some questions about what happened last year and what needs to happen next. And I'm, I'm still concerned that those questions are not being addressed. If he, if he went... He, whether it's him that gets us to the Euros or it's someone else, I'm not personally concerned by that I don't care as long as we get there what I want is the person that's getting us there to care and I'm unconvinced and I think that's I think that's a fair I think it's a fair point and, I, and to be honest I, I pretty much share most of your views on, on what you've just said my only final devil's advocate role that I'm going to play for you here is when things weren't going well for Chris Coleman did he? Do we know how many times you went to watch Swansea or Cardiff or Arsenal or Real Madrid or whoever else was going on there? I I don't, and I and I certainly don't have memories of seeing Chris Coleman's face at football matches and people talking about it. Is there a chance here that people are trying to a live up to what Gary Speed did, and he's on a pedestal and rightly so? And is it also a case of everyone is everywhere, everyone's got an opinion, everyone knows everything because of Twitter <laughs> and Facebook and everything else, and he's actually not doing anything that different from what other people are doing or have done in the past? 
there's more there's just more people expressing an opinion on it these days that we see because of Twitter and whatever else. And I know this is a totally sidetracked thing. I don't want to get into a social media debate, but but I don't think I don't think any of our previous managers would have been in halfway around the world the week before a squad was announced or going to Comic-Con the weekend before the most important doubleheader of our qualifiers. Yeah. The, the Comic-Con, I, there's, to me, there's no excuse for that and I am, I am furious about it and I think that's totally legit. The squad thing I'm, I'm less annoyed about and you are, which is fair, <laughs> and I get that. Um, and, you know, we're never going to agree on that, I don't <laughs> think. I don't know, I'm just worried that we're looking for excuses to dig him out. Ruth's furious, so we're going to move on. Um... <laughs> To a slightly more light-hearted debate, I hope. <laughs> I saw someone on Twitter talking about if you could have um, a statue built outside your ground, because uh, who would it be? Uh, this is based on David Beckham has just had a statue built of him outside LA Galaxy's new ground. Um, I got some absolutely superb replies. Um there are some obvious ones which we'll kind of go through in a minute my favorite one i think was that bloke that was crying on the telly in the euros i think uh, i think i enjoyed that one um some less obvious ones um as well like a few combinations for example like gary speed shaking hands with chris coleman i thought that that was okay. quite a nice I one like that yeah um you wanted billy meredith i i would I would love to have a statue of Billy Murray, but I would actually put his in front of the... Seeing as we're building a national stadium here in your hypothesis, also true. there is also a, um, a national museum of football up in Wrexham, so I would, I would put his statue outside there. Ah, nice. <laughs> well done. I see what you've done there. Um, someone else has also mentioned uh, Hal doing his Cruyff turn, uh, which I think would be quite nice. Um, Oh, and Vaughan Williams was another suggestion, just because of his dedication. Um, there were a few really, really good ones, uh, which I like. And my particular comic favourite was from James O'Brien, my mate Jobbers. Paul Bowden, a harrowing reminder of the dark times. <laughs> <laughs> which, I, which I thought that was, uh, I thought that was quite good. Um, Steve Morrison. Right. Less convinced on that one. <laughs> um, I also like the idea of... Um, Craig Bellamy scampering past Buffon to put the ball in the back of the net. Mm-hmm. I thought that was quite a good suggestion. And um, Robbie Savage having it unveiled by Goldie looking chains <laughs> and Owen Money being the uh, <laughs> being the announcer. I, I particularly like that one as well. Um, I my thought was Coleman. Okay. Um, I've talked a lot though, so I just you I just go. feel it's too early for that. I mean, if you're going down that track, I'd put one up of Jimmy Murphy for kind of much the same reasoning as why you might be advocating for Coleman. Um, I mean, I think there are some there are some true heroes from that era, you know, Charles and All Church and uh, Charles would be up there for yeah. me. Uh, so I. I think from a player point of view, I think I would go I would go for John Charles. Although actually I think Billy Meredith has a really interesting place in not just in Welsh football history but in football, in football history. history yeah. Um so I think he he warrants that. Um I mean if you if you're thinking outside the box a little bit, I would you, you could make a case for a Jess Fishlock statue on the basis that she was the first player 
the only player currently at, on 100 No, I like that. That's a, good, that's a good shout. I like that a lot. Um, and then I know a few people tweeted, and I would agree that, you know, Gunter's chin up, um, that definitely, it, from a moment, yeah. has so much meaning for us. Yeah, I think, having said Coleman first, I think, were it to actually happen, I think the Gunter chin up thing mm-hmm. would be my what I would go for. Okay, I've got connected but different. Okay. I you know the image that was taken uh with the team in the kind of the heart shape. Yeah. Um it would be be an interesting piece of, you know, contemporary art. Yeah. But I actually I like the imagery of that. I like the unity. I like the fact that it makes a statement about the team and the wider team as well, not just the players. Um so I would be interested to see something artistic made of that image, actually. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I think that would be nice. Again, we're like, we've got to build a stadium first, so <laughs> one step at a time. But um, I agree with you. I think that would be nice. I think um, it's interesting as well seeing some people's suggestions and thoughts and stuff like that. Obviously, a lot of people said Gary Speed, mm-hmm. um, which I'd be up for. Uh, Big Nev, mm-hmm. um, as well as, as you say, some of the older people. Malcolm Allen was someone else who got mentioned as well. Um so it would be interesting to see actually what would happen mm-hmm. were we to were we to do that. But you don't have to have one. True. I mean, I mean, I feel like this could be getting out of hand now. <laughs> After building a stadium, we now want six statues outside it. Um, one of them a contemporary piece of art in a heart shape, looking down as a photo as if from below. Uh, above, sorry. So I, I'm not sure, but um, I quite like that. We had a lot of uh, a lot of chat on that. Mm. I quite like that. I really like the the chin up. Yeah, uh, gun to right yeah. Now. I think it just means so much that image, doesn't it? I, I think so. I think it should be immortalized more, you know, more than just a photo. I think it does warrant immortalizing that one. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that actually happens one day as well. Yeah, a nice bit of bronze with yeah, Chris. Exactly. Yeah, you'd love right. that, wouldn't you? You'd be there. You'd be there every week flying <laughs> home. Um, to move on and just sort of wrap up, as I've just realised we've been waffling for uh, fifty minutes almost. Um, just to have a quick conversation about. Newport, Wrexham, Cardiff and Swansea. Let's make it quick, eh? Um, Wrexham <laughs> is the one I want to spend most time on. They've obviously got a new manager. Brian Flynn is there. Look how happy your little face <laughs> is. Uh, and most importantly, they're top of the league. Yep. I mean, I think it's a great, great combination, isn't it? Uh, and they just sort of... I love the way they've just kind of pulled their socks up and got on with it. They've had an incredibly disruptive... Um, season again and the last you know what six and a half seven eight weeks have been particularly bad and yet they've just got through it come out the other side um i mean i think the addition of flynn is uh it's you know there's if you're going to have someone that can if you're going to have someone that can provide some stability and solidity and some focus there uh but just all in all i think after after what must have been a difficult month through January, just incredibly proud of how they've picked it up and got on with it. I mean, I totally agree. If you if you look at it beyond the season and look at it as a 12 months or so, to lose Keats, then Ricketts, um, then go through Graham Barrow <laughs> and now end up uh, with what they've got, which looks like a great partnership, for them to... A, have kept them in themselves in a position to keep winning games and, and still be in the mix to end up now being top of the league. Uh, it's 
just remarkable. It's been a bonkers season, yeah. to be fair. Yeah, key game coming up with Orient, obviously. Yes. That's, yeah. uh, it's 12.35, I think, in the UK on Saturday morning. So I'm hoping, which I find very unlikely without some sort of stream of that, I can get here. But you can listen to Cow on mm. FM with me. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Problem solved. Um, yeah, so uh, just unbelievable. And the fact that they're going into this now, and I think they have got a, a relatively decent running mm-hmm. compared to the sides around them. And I don't think there's any kind of standout team in the division. No. What I, the only thing that does worry me slightly is the form that Solihull Moors have been in. They seem to, you know, when they were struggling a couple of weeks ago, they got a late, late draw to keep themselves going. They scored five on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of getting automatic promotion, they're the team that bother me most, I mm-hmm. think. But the reality of the situation is that after everything that they've gone through, for Wrexham to be top of the league yeah. um, and a great result, another another win on the weekend as well, mm-hmm. um, is really, really positive yeah. stuff. Agreed. Um, to move on to Cardiff, Ugh. I think, I think those two noises ridiculous, say it all. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I remember you commenting that um, the timing of the break due to the FA Cup weekend probably wasn't a good thing for them and it clearly hasn't been um but i think what's concerning about the last couple of results is just it's just how they've been kind of slapped around yeah, it's, they've, it's not it's not just felt like de- defeats it's it's felt like drummings hasn't it and do you know what i uh i watched the game against wolves on the weekend and that two lines two nil scoreline sorry uh, completely flat as cut. I mean, if that had been six, they couldn't have complained. Wolves created a lot of chances. Hit the post a couple of times. Keepers made a couple of good saves. Um, the one thing I thought was odd was they had such a good setup and formation and everything else going before in those two big wins. And they kind of tweaked things around a bit. Mm-hmm. Brought Morrison back in after he's been injured. Dropped Manga. Um, and it's just completely backfired. It's not entirely Morrison's fault. I'm not suggesting it is. But something has changed there. And the manner of those two goals, the first one, Morrison has come out of the back line to kind of close down his man, has got completely turned inside out by a quick pass. And then if you if you watch that goal again and just watch Morrison, he genuinely looks like he doesn't know where he is. He's so out of position, cannot recover his position. Um, and I know it's good football, good finish, blah, blah, blah. It was awful defending. Mm-hmm. And the second goal... Bamba trying to take on the striker, you know, halfway up the pitch with not really anyone behind him. I just, it was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And as I say, they got cut open a fair few times. Um, and Bar Etheridge making a couple of unbelievable saves. Like it could, it could have been three, four, five, six. They were that, they were that bad at the back. I thought Cardiff and Wolves basically stopped trying mm-hmm. second half. They just saw the game out. Um, I've been up and down with Cardiff in terms of, you know everything else I've said from the get go I still think they'll go down this year and I've got a horrible feeling things might kind of blow up for them a bit here yeah it's, it's, it has that feel doesn't it yeah and I think they've. to be fair whatever happens they've done very very well to, to give themselves a chance mm-hmm. I think like someone else on Twitter pointed out the other weekend on the weekend sorry they are basically a championship mm-hmm. team with a few additions yeah um and you know, for, for for as many times I like to say Newcastle are a championship team playing in this division, they're not really. 
Um, Not comparatively, no. We, exactly. We had yeah. some players who played in the championship yeah. who've come back up with us. Like John Joe Shelby, he's not a championship player. So I, I think there needs to be um, a semblance of kind of reality that they've done well to be in this position. The only thing that goes for them is that Southampton lost again. Mm-hmm. Burnley have lost two in a row now, I think, after being the form team yeah. of late. Huddersfield and, and Fulham are gone. I mean, all you need to do at the right time is is pull out a couple of wins and... You know, it, it could happen for you. Yeah, it, it feels like a toss-up a bit at the minute, doesn't it, between them and Southampton as to who can string. If one of them can string a couple of wins together, in, the other might just fall away. But um, I'm not very hopeful at no, the minute. Mommy. No, um, On such a positive note, let's <laughs> move on to Swansea Newport, um, who two good results on the weekend. Uh, both teams won. Newport are now we're still in the needing a miracle phase I think <laughs> but uh, making a little bit of ground up on mm-hmm. the people ahead of them um, you know beating some some important teams they need to beat a few teams have dropped from that picture a little bit Forest Green for example were, were top about six or eight weeks or so ago they fell out of the playoffs on mm-hmm. the weekend so it just goes to show that if you do put together a, a bit of a decent run it is possible I think they're seven points now off the playoffs which okay. you know and they've got to get the Sorry, I lied. They've got eight. They're eight points off the playoffs, but they have a game in hand okay. on, on most, and two games in hand on some above them. So you know, you win those two games in hand. It's really not off yeah. the cards, there, is it? Yeah. Um, and the signings that Flynn has brought in seem to have yeah, been they seem a to difference. have embedded very well, don't they? Making a difference, yeah. as you say. So, I think I you know they've got. I think what's pleasing to see is they've made a positive step after the cup games. Last year they yeah, kind of went true. back they went backwards after they went out of the out to Tottenham whereas this year they've they've kind of they've kept, going kept some bit. momentum from from yeah. the from the cup run. Um, and that's pleasing. And so hopefully it's just a even if even if it all it does is is stabilize them and gives them a bit of a platform for for next year, but yeah. I, mean, I think that's more. I think that's the most encouraging thing for me actually is the fact that they haven't bottomed out after after going out against Man yeah, City. I agree. I agree. Um, and to go to Swansea very quickly, they're just uh, they're just not going to make the playoffs. Are they? Let's be honest. They're so inconsistent. They'll win two, lose one. Blah blah blah. I, I think that's the, that's the key word, isn't it? Their inconsistency is just amazing. Um, they are. Inc- incredibly good and incredibly naive all at the same yeah. time um, uh, and you, you're not you're just that cha- that league is just too strong there's yeah. too many competitive Especially teams yeah, too many competitive teams there um, but there's clearly a lot of learning going on yeah um, and I hope if they can keep keep you know the backbone of that squad keep Potter then Next year, the, you know, they... If they invest a few quid, yeah, they've got a good chance, yeah, they? I mean, there's a big butt in there. Yeah. Um, but you've... It's been... In some respects, it's, I feel like it's been a positive season, ironically, when yeah. you consider how it could have gone. No, I know what you mean. And who they've lost and what they're dealing with, off the field in particular. Um, you know, and for them to be even be knocking on the door of the playoffs, I think, is a... It's a, it's a good season, actually, all things considered. No, I totally agree with you. I think the players they've lost and the situations they've found themselves in have really they've done well to keep themselves going. Because I was worried at one point they would sink without a trace and do what 
Sunderland, for example, have done. Yeah. Did you see they've signed some sort of PR deal with North Korea this weekend? No. Genuinely. <laughs> like, they're promoting visiting Korea through Sunderland Football Club. North Korea? Yeah, honestly. <laughs> If you haven't if you haven't seen it, listeners, please Google that. You, sh- you sure was, you got your north and south the right way around? It was on BBC there. Sport, and there was a picture <laughs> of uh, Kim Jong crazy, and uh, just I'm just padding briefly while I try and find you the link on BBC Sport. Um, but yeah, they've they've done some sort of agreement. I couldn't believe when I saw it this morning. I actually thought it was a joke, like, like a it, BBC typo. It was like a fake account or something like that. Um, I just couldn't believe it. Predictably, I now... You can't find I it. I can't find it. But uh, I'm going to find it before the end of our podcast. The last thing I wanted to talk about was the women's game. The ladies. How much of it did you did you see much? I, I, I saw the highlights in yeah. inverted commas. Um, we had a couple of good chances. There was a very good save against Kaylee Green. Um and another for Anghara James that was cleared off the line. But it kind of, from what I saw, it did feel very nil-nil. You can, you can see how the, how the result ended up like that. A bit scrappy in places. Yeah. Uh, but again, reading what Ludlow was saying after the game, I think she, f- she felt, uh, you know, this, this building, it's what Tash was speaking about in the last podcast, trying to go for a bit more possession football, a bit more on the offensive foot rather than defensive pressing a bit higher you could see evidence of that so I think from what I read Jane's comments after the game Jane Ludlow's comments after the game um, she seemed relatively happy with with what the squad was demonstrating so be interesting to see to see how tomorrow's game goes yes there's another game tomorrow which is Tuesday morning which I think is midday kickoff uh, the UK time one o'clock in Marbella which is unfortunately seven o'clock in the morning here <laughs> Which will be a treat. Um, no, from what I saw, I saw a solid amount of the match. Um, they played well, as you say, the, the clear demonstration of the new kind of approach of trying to keep the ball and being on the front foot a bit more. As a, My only worry is it, it made us look a lot more vulnerable at the back, especially on the break. Okay. Um, and I appreciate that is one of the problems of kind of being a bit more on the, on the front foot. The reason it concerns me is that, again, for the second game in a row, we didn't take our chances, mm-hmm. uh, which we did have a solid amount of. Um, again, I know it's a friendly, um, and it's just good experience trying to m- implement this new system. So, you know, the result or, or lack of it is not that much of a bother. I'm a little bit concerned that we haven't scored again. Yeah. Because um, then we're on a bit of a run. I'm just, I was just trying to think before we did this. After those two Portugal games, uh, Italy... And now this, I think we've only scored, that means we've scored one in four or five, I think, mm-hmm. which is a bit of a worry. Uh, however, you know, as we were saying with the men earlier, it doesn't matter as long as we kind of hit the ground running in August. So interested to see what happens tomorrow yeah. Um see if we can kind of be a bit more clinical and, and take our chances and uh, hopefully continue to make progress because it is, it's never going to happen overnight, is it? You know, you can't just say we're playing a new system and expect no. it to work. No, and they're building, I noticed they've got some more late spring friendlies organised as well yeah. um, and build, obviously building for the, the qualifiers proper yeah, exactly. from August so yeah looking forward to that so if you can watch that uh, please do I don't know why I'm saying that because this is not going to go out before <laughs> then so if you watched it yeah watch it there you go um, so yes 
I think we have everything covered here. There's nothing else you want to add? Oh, we did mention Bale. Oh. Do we want to not end on a sad note? <laughs> Is it a sad note? I just part of me just like just move, just move and get out, get yeah. over with it. Uh, but you, I think the whole there's there's something kind of sick in the court of Real Madrid isn't there at the minute and I I think unfortunately I get the feeling Gareth is perhaps a focal point when it's not warranted but it's easy for him to be a focal point at the minute uh, when he's not he's not one of the lads and part of me rather likes that he's not one of the lads Um, but it makes it easy for people to point fingers at him Um, and if he's I, I kind of feel like he's never really been appreciated there. You know, you look at his record, it's amazing, and they still question his worth. And it's just like, why, why would you deal with that? Why would you put up with that day in, day out? I kind of I just, yeah, just pull the strings, move on. It's an interesting one because, you know, let's not forget that Real Madrid fans also went through a phase where they were annoyed with Cristiano Ronaldo mm-hmm. when he was being busy being the best player in the world. <laughs> so they are a very... You know, difficult bunch of fans to yeah. play for, and I think that little bit of context needs to be brought into people, especially yeah, I just like get the us f- who don't watch it every I week. I get the feeling that Perez is up until now. I feel like he's been relative support, relatively supportive of Bale, whereas I think that might have gone now. And if that's gone, then he's pretty much on his own at that point. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think it was interesting. His agent came out today and said. His contract's till 2022. He wants to be there until 2022. Um, you know, this stuff of him being an outcast and stuff isn't true. He speaks decent enough Spanish. Um, you know, this is a non-story. We're fed up of having to kind of defend him every week. So I think that maybe is what the what he's most annoyed about. is mm-hmm. not necessarily as much the fans. And I'm sure he is annoyed at the fans and the whole situation. But I feel like it's also just as much the fact that he has to constantly go out and prove himself and defend himself when he's actually perfectly happy and doesn't want to leave. Mm-hmm. I do think that whatever ha- is going to happen needs to happen this year, though. I feel like for the sake of him, you know, he's 29. He's at the peak of his career now, really. He can't spend another year defending himself and feeling sorry for himself and being down and whatever else. I think one way or the other, he needs to kind of make a decision and make some progress on that this summer. Yeah. I just I feel with the Perez situation now the decision may get made for him and I also think that their manager will only last until the end of the year Um, and and I think after that I think once they know who their next full time manager is going to be then it you know it may resolve itself as you say in the summer one way or the other I think that'll kind of have a big big impact on things on that note I think we are Romeo done. Um, Thank you very much for listening. Um, Ahead of the women's games, if you want to go back and listen to our interview with Tash Harding, please do. We also have uh, a chat with Jess Fishlock from uh, 18 months or so ago. No, no. No, It's only last August. Yeah, so some months ago. (laughs) Uh, As well as an interview with Laura McAllister as well. So there's lots of stuff on the the women's game if you want to have a listen to that. Um, We will hopefully reconvene uh, Ruth is away for a couple of weeks I am uh, going away as well so hopefully we'll reconvene and give a 
uh, a review podcast after the two games against Trinidad and Slovakia. Thank you very much for listening. Good night. Good night.